After setting up his personal security systems and piling pillows against the door so no one in the hallway could eavesdrop, he sat on the bed, anxious and alone, in a Hong Kong hotel room. He was twenty-nine years old that night, May 24, 2013, but he looked much younger, thin and pale, like a college kid, in his blue jeans and white t-shirt. Someone who talked to him later described him as terrified, and it's easy to believe. He was walking away from everything he had ever known, his career, his girlfriend, his entire life, and now it appeared that his plan might fall through. He had come to Hong Kong four days earlier, his luggage filled with laptop computers and thumb drives containing tens of thousands of secret documents he had stolen from the U.S. government, documents that he felt sure would demonstrate how far overboard America had gone to protect itself from enemies real and imagined. But time was running out. Soon, his superiors would come looking for him, if they weren't already. Before they did, he needed to give his documents to a journalist who would share them with the world. But none of the three he had contacted had yet traveled halfway around the planet to meet with him. Just that night, the one who wrote for the Washington Post had passed. If it really had been all for nothing, if he really had spent months plundering government computers for secrets no one would ever see, the best he could hope for was asylum in a foreign country. Maybe Iceland. Maybe Ecuador. If he failed, they would lead him away in handcuffs to prison. Or, he thought, maybe they'd just kill him. It had all begun some six months earlier, the way the best spy thrillers do, with a whisper in an exotic locale. This time, as befits the defining espionage story of our age, the whisper was first typed into a computer and sent to an expatriate American columnist and former lawyer living in a greenery-shrouded villa in Rio de Janeiro, then to a provocative documentary filmmaker at her apartment in Berlin, and last to a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist in his office in downtown Manhattan. The columnist, a 47-year-old named Glenn Greenwald, ignored that strange first overture. Greenwald had transformed himself into a crusader in the fight against aggressive government surveillance. His columns and blog posts for Salon and for a British newspaper, The Guardian, had won him a devoted following among a broad coalition of civil rights and privacy activists. That first email one of many that had popped onto his laptop on the morning of December 1st, 2012, was cryptic. The anonymous sender, saying he had information Greenwald might be interested in, asked for his public encryption key, a so-called PGP key, so they could have a secure online discussion. Greenwald didn't have a PGP key, and wasn't going to the trouble of getting one for so vague a promise. But the sender, whoever it was, wouldn't give up. He sent Greenwald encryption tutorials, one on video. Again, Greenwald balked. Now he had to watch a video? And for what? The sender still wouldn't give any sense of what he was offering. After a month of fruitless back and forth, Greenwald put it aside, and the sender vanished back into the ether. Next, in late January 2013, the sender emailed documentary filmmaker Laura Poitras. After appearing on a U.S. watch list, Poitras, 50, 
had been detained and searched dozens of times at international borders and had fought back against invasive government surveillance. The emailer had read about her in one of Greenwald's columns and had seen a short documentary she had made on domestic spying by the National Security Agency, the giant U.S. government entity whose computers hoover up and analyze all manner of electronic communications from countries around the world. Poitras had a PGP key readily at hand, but the sender's next email instructed her on how to get an even more secure system. Once there, he assured her, I am a senior member of the intelligence community. This won't be a waste of your time. Poitras, possibly more wary than the sender at this point, responded, I don't know if you are legit, crazy, or trying to entrap me. He replied, I'm not going to ask you anything. I'm just going to tell you things.